This is the Gospel for Life, where we have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. Around the table today is Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring United Reformed Church, Vinnie Hanke from Valley Life Community Church, and Ryan Hemphill from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. To catch earlier broadcasts, just search The Gospel for Life wherever you subscribe. To find out more about this ministry and about our annual conference, go to ReformationBoise.com. Welcome back to The Gospel for Life. We are still looking and thinking about the whole idea of Reformation Month, a time when we we don't I just want it to be clear we are not elevating the reformers to a pedestal we don't believe in worshiping and venerating saints but we do believe in recognizing the particular work of God at mo- moments in history that where he raises up individuals on behalf of of the church and specifically on behalf of the gospel so that his church remains true and pure and, and is utilized by him to, to magnify his name, but also to nurture and, and strengthen his people. And we recognize the fact that he raised up people like Huss and Wycliffe and, and Zwingli and Luther and Calvin and Melanchthon and so many others to help the church return to ideas and principles and teachings that um, align more fully and truly with what the Word of God says. And that's why we spend so much time on Sola Scriptura. We wanted that firm foundation in place. Now moving forward, we're going to spend a, a, a lot less time on the other solas. That doesn't mean that we don't hold them as, as, as valuable as Sola Scriptura, but we do believe that the foundation has to be secure. So today we want to go and move into Solus Christus, Christ alone. And my question is simply to begin is, what does this mean? And how does this teaching differ from the Church of Rome? So it's it's the doctrine or the teaching that Christ uh, alone is the only mediator between God and human beings. And so that, that would be kind of what it is. And how it differs from Rome is... Within the context of the Roman church, there's a priestly class and the sacraments that also serve as mediators between God and humanity. And so the the priest becomes a go-between between you and God. The sacraments become the means of grace by which God instills or infuses grace into you through the sacraments. So they too serve as a mediator between God and you. The reformers re- reject both those things and say, no, Christ alone is the mediator. So First uh, Timothy 2.5, there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, and that is the man, Christ Jesus. And the, the, the whole heart of the gospel, it's not about us. The, the heart of the gospel is that Christ is Christ for us, and that's the essence of, of that message. Christ came for us to do for us what we could not do ourselves. He obeyed. He was crucified. He was raised. He ascended. He's returning. And what happened in the medieval church was they turned the gospel into a me- message about what Christ was doing in us by grace and sanctification and about what we must do as our part in order to benefit how we cooperated with all that. And the good news is that we don't have a part. We're the recipient. We're the beggars. We're not the contributor to the story. 
What does it mean to be a mediator? So when we say that Jesus Christ is the only mediator, what what is involved in that work? Yeah, it's, a, it's the reconciling of differences. It's the bringing of two parties together. It's the representative on behalf of one um, to another. And so Christ does all of those things. He represents us uh, as our great high priest to God and represents God to us. He reconciles us to God through his atoning work of sin. He uh, sacrifices for that sin and endures God's wrath so that we might receive the blessing that he received from God the Father. I know we've talked about this not that terribly long ago, but why is it necessary that Jesus Christ is both truly God and truly man in order to be our only mediator? Well, the catechism will point out that in order for someone to die for us, a mere creature could not do that. Someone had to be man. The the same flesh <laughs> needs to be the substitute. You know, the he had to be human to be our substitute. But he also had to be God, divine, to bear the infinite wrath of God, which we would ordinarily have to pay in hell. I mean, we you know, hell is eternal. Um, the infinite only an infinite God could bear the infinite wrath that's poured out. You mentioned the the phrase substitute. So are you actually tell me you believe in the archaic, barbaric belief in a, a penal substitutionary atonement? Yeah. Card carrying member. Yeah, yeah card carrying. Penal so, meaning punishment. Yeah, he 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 suffered my punishment for me. Yeah. Either either Jesus' death for us for for our sins is enough or it's not. And if if Christ is enough then it's folly to trust our own works to try to add any measure to the righteousness, uh, atom of righteousness to Christ's work. There's no middle ground. There's no mixture There's uh, of work, uh, his work and my work. There's only the pure, unchanging grace for the child of God where Christ alone is the anchor for my soul. So then some of this makes it sound like that, that you don't believe in the repository of merits of the saints of old. Yeah, the Christ. No, we do not. <laughs> yeah, Christ alone. Christ, the Christ not alone view is, is the whole thing about purgatory. Uh, the Roman Catholics believe in purgatory, which again is accenting that belief that Christ is not sufficient to save completely. Rather, they have to work off their sins after death for thousands of years until it's paid. Where's Christ in that? Uh, was his work? insufficient to cover their sins completely and once for all so in all of this discussion so what we theologically what we're talking about is christology Mm -hmm. Um, it's the the study of the person and work of jesus christ and sometimes in in when we talk about christology we use different terminology to describe the person work of christ and so sometimes jesus christ is referred to as the messiah and Messiah just means anointed. So what does it mean that Jesus is the, the Messiah? What does it mean that he is the anointed of God? Yeah, he's the promised one arrived from the Old Testament. Um, beginning, you know, if you were at the Reformation Boise Conference, you heard this, but beginning with Genesis 3.15, the first promise of 
the serpent crusher or the defeater of, of Satan. Uh, there was one who was promised down through the ages that would come and, and finally uh, defeat Satan, uh, pay for sin, and reconcile humanity to God. We believe Christ is that anointed one fulfilling the promise uh, that God has given us. Yeah, and those three offices of prophet, priest, and king were the three offices that pointed to Christ in his mediatorial role, you know, as, as the one who would bring us his word, the one who would uh, suffer for us, the one who would rule over us. And uh, he fulfilled those three offices. That's, so we, we talk about him being our prophet, priest, and king. And knowing that what you know about Sola Scriptura and where we've been, you know that it's okay to quote from catechisms as a tool, as a guide, as a help to assist us, um, not to rule over us. So I'm going to quote from the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 12, which asks the question, why is he called Christ, meaning anointed, or the Messiah? Because he has been ordained by God the Father and has been anointed with the Holy Spirit to be our chief prophet and teacher, who fully reveals to us the secret counsel and will of God concerning our deliverance, our only high priest who has delivered us by one sacrifice of his body and who continually intercedes for us before the Father, and our eternal King who governs us by his word and spirit and who guards us and keeps us in the deliverance he has won for us. And go one more, and why are you called a Christian, which and it goes an anointed on. one. It says, because by faith I'm a member of Christ, and so I share in his anointing. I'm anointed to confess his name, to present myself to him as a living sacrifice of thanks, to strive with a free conscience against sin and the devil in this life, and afterward to reign with Christ over all creation for eternity. That I'm in Christ. And that's the key to salvation, that it's not my works, it's not what I do, it's who I'm identified in and to. Can I bring this into our own uh, particular age? You know, yes. we, yeah, yeah. you know, we're talking about the reformers and how they emphasize Christ alone, but it's still oftentimes missing in what we might call evangelical churches, and that comes with the false, unbiblical assertion that your salvation can be lost because the Bible clearly teaches that He that began a good work in you is going to bring it to completion. The claim that a Christian a true believer, uh, one who has faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, can lose that salvation. It comes out of a misreading of, of God's Word. It becomes the emphasis, becomes the focus on your own moral ability rather than Christ, that you can make certain choices that will uh, take you away from your adoption and your justification in Him. So the, the whole, the idea of Christ alone uh, needs to be reaffirmed even in evangelical churches. Well, I think a, a simple test on, on whether you truly believe in the satisfactory, complete satisfactory work of Jesus Christ on behalf of your salvation is that when you when you sin, do you actually think that God loves you less? And that when you live a life of, of obedience and faithfulness, do you think that God loves you more? And if you do, then then you're a little bit squishy on Christ alone. Right. Because at the end of the day, what you're doing is you're basing your merit before God on your performance. And it's not about our performance. It's about the performance of Jesus Christ. This is part of what happens in his life of complete obedience to the will of the Father, that he earned a righteousness that is now mine 
that he has imputed to me. He took my sins, but he imputed to me his righteousness, which means I always stand before the Father as one approved and loved, and the Father loves me as he loves his Son because I'm in Christ. Now, that doesn't mean that we can't displease the Father. Naturally, disobedience is still disobedience. And it can sever. And those that the Lord loves, he He reproves. Yeah. And, and so the idea is that there can be times when I can, I can break communion and that can suffer, but it doesn't affect my union with Christ. Yeah, and, and it goes back to why you're doing the things that you're doing. Paul, Paul would uh, correct faulty thinking by saying in Galatians 3.3, 3, are you so foolish having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by your flesh? My perfection rests in Christ, not in me. And this whole idea of Christ alone, I know that, that this whole idea of union with Christ has is, is, is almost become cliché in Christian circles, but it really is the heart of what it means to live out the Christian life, that I live in and through the person and work of Jesus Christ. That I, I need to, be, I'm united to Him, and I live in Him, um, and and sometimes that what becomes cliche becomes hum ho, um, but it's not. It, it really is the heartbeat of of, the, of what Christianity is. Yeah, we continue and always are coming back to our union and identity in Christ. In fact, I would say most often if you're struggling with sin or, or a practice of disobedience in your life right now, it's not a behavior problem you have. It's actually a belief problem. There's something about your union with Christ that, that hasn't made its way from your head down into your heart to affect the work of your hands. And that's just really an ongoing application of uh, the, this sola, Christ alone. Well, you've been listening to the Gospel for Life. So good to be with you, and we will be with you tomorrow.